No need to thank us, it's what we do. Who the hell are you guys? We're the A-Team. Property. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Let's go. In 2015, two flatmates got drunk and started a podcast. Now they live apart, recording remotely in the wake of a global pandemic. Today, still producing new episodes, they survive as podcasters of geekdom. If you want a podcast, if no one else can help, and if you can find our website, maybe you can listen to Two Geeks, Two Beers. Absolutely cannot find our website. Very good. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another Absoludicrous edition of Two Geeks, Two Beers. And we've got the A-Team in our sights. But don't worry, we can promise that no one will be seriously injured. I'm Morgan, joined as ever by Mr. T. Eames. It's Tom. Very good. Hello. <laughs> I like that. So uh, this episode was actually a request, or a double request, uh, from both a fan of the, of the podcast on Facebook, Michael we Morris. <laughs> we have one. Uh, Michael Morris. Thank you, Michael. And my dad, uh, yeah. who, who who loves the A-Team. He just loves it uh, and still watches it now. That's that's how he uh, whiles away his days in retirement. So, Dad, consider this a belated Father's Day gift. It's heartfelt, but also cheap. Uh, Was this the, is this the one way you can force your parents to listen? Yeah. This, 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 finally, I'll get, valid, I'll get validation yeah. from my parents. <laughs> Uh, for, for this podcast pursuit. Uh, so, Tom, thoughts on the A-team before I get going? You know, there's like a running joke, if you can call it a joke, on this podcast where <laughs> it's it, it seems that everything we talk about, mm. despite the fact that I call myself a geek, I've just not seen or had any kind of experience with. Yeah, so, yeah, same for the A-team. Never seen it, never had, never had any experience with the A-team, missed it in- completely. I know the theme tune... I know the intro. I know pretty much the characters. I know Mr. T, obviously. I could never tell if Mr. T was a character or a real person. I still don't really know the answer. Um, okay. I know Dirt Benedict was in it because he was in Big Brother a few years ago. Um, yeah. About it, really. But I'm really looking forward to you teaching me all about it. It's always meant to be a history lesson. Always meant to be a history lesson. So, yeah. the A-Team is an action-adventure television series that ran on NBC uh, from 1983 to 1987. Uh, and it followed former members of a fictitious United States Army Special Forces unit. But something I discovered researching this episode, uh, did you know that A-teams are, are, are a real thing? Oh, really? Well, like Star because... Wars is sort of a real thing. but <laughs> Well, yeah, kind of. But like, I, I always just thought they were just like the best team. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> these, guys, these guys, they're the A-team. The B-team over there, the C-team, they ain't shit. These guys are the A team. That's what I thought it meant. But well, no, I so- used to, I used to own, like, I pleased, I used to play football many years ago. And in my, in my local, you know, my the village that I grew up in, there were two football teams. And instead of going, they were like, they had a debate, and they were like, shall we make um, one? Should we make them mixed ability, or should we have one really good team and one really shit team? 
so A team and B team, and I obviously got shafted into the B team. And uh, so forever from then on, I always just think, well, I'd never really get into the A team, so B team sounds good to me. So uh, revisiting your inferiority complex there, you, you'll never be Batman. You're always Robin, and you'll never yeah. get into the A team. Because if you're uh, if you're mildly good in the B team, then you'll feel much better. Because if you're in the A team, you just snuck into the A team. Yeah. You'll never feel one of the yeah. Anyway, carry on. Uh, no, so so uh, the the term A team is a nickname used for U.S. Special Forces Operational Detachments Alpha or ODAs uh, during the Vietnam War, and each ODA would specialize in an infiltration skill or a particular uh, mission set, such as halo jumps, combat diving, mountain warfare, and maritime operations. Uh, and like on TV, each A-team member would have a special skill set, uh, though in real life, uh, an ODA, as, as they were known, would consist of 12 soldiers. So were they just like eight other A-team members who are mysteriously killed in action before <laughs> the events of the, of the show. Um, but in the series, uh, the four strong A-team uh, are court-martialed for a crime they didn't commit, uh, but they escape from military prison, and while still on the run, they work as soldiers of fortune, which is a polite way of saying they, they, they were mercenaries. They were men who killed for cash. Uh, so but- they, were like, they were like the Expendables. Yeah, if that's if that's the point of reference that, that you will understand. Um, so, of course, I, I, I'm aware of the Expendables film uh, film franchise that that oeuvre, but the A team. Um, I've never. I'm sure you'll tell me, but I've, I obviously knew the intro, but I never knew what the um, crime that they didn't commit was. So mm. I'm intrigued. I'll get, I will get onto it. Yeah. So I, I, I yeah, I, I was jesting slightly on the show. They of course use their military training to uh, to fight oppression or injustice. Uh, but let's get in the mood for some outrageously 80s, war-glorifying macho telly with the show's distinctive opening narration from actor-producer John Ashley, who does a much better job of it than I did at the beginning of this episode. And it's theme music by Pete Carpenter and Mike Post, who is also the Emmy-winning composer behind many classic TV themes, such as The Rockford Files, Law and & Order, and the old favourite, Quantum Leap. He wrote yeah, Quantum we- Leap. We've, we've, we've done a loving of Mike Post in previous episodes, I'm sure. You can never Any have excuse. too much love yeah. from Mike Post. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team.
got to say, for some reason, I always thought of the A team, even though I knew it was a bit of a of, of a laugh. Mm. I've always thought it was it was sort of weirdly serious in tone. But no. watching that intro, it, watching that intro, it was like an out and out slapstick comedy. And that is not that is not a misleading intro at all. Oh, no. okay. Uh, oh. So it, the show ran for five seasons, uh, ninety eight pleasingly formulaic episodes. Uh, <laughs> There were, there were a few overarching stories, except the characters' continuing motivation to clear their names for the crime which they did not commit, uh, uh, with few references to events in past episodes, so you could really jump in at any time. Uh, and the A-Team was created by Stephen J. Cannell and Frank Lupo. Uh, Cannell, very interesting, interesting guy. He was originally a freelance writer on shows like Columbo and Ironside, uh, but also created or co-created several dozen successful TV series uh, throughout the 1970s up to the 1990s, uh, often with his creative partner, Lupo, who was uh, at the time best known as the producer of the Battlestar Galactica sequel, Galactica 1980. Uh, but Cannell created or co-created shows like uh, The Rockford Files and 21 Jump Street. And he is thought to have scripted more than 450 episodes of television and produced or executive produced over 1,500 episodes. So uh, he, knows, he, knows, he knows his stuff. He knows, he knows his stuff. But... He was also an actor. Uh, he, he played the crooked police officer, Donald Dutch Dixon, on his own self-created series, Renegade, uh, <laughs> which was about a, uh, a police officer framed for a crime he did uh, not commit. Uh, I, I was just like, the idea was like, fancy that for myself. I'm, I'll, I'll do that. He was a cop and good at his job, but he committed the ultimate sin and testified against other cops gone bad. Cops that tried to kill him, but got the woman he loved instead. Framed for murder, now he prowls the Badlands, an outlaw hunting outlaws, a bounty hunter, a renegade. And he uh, he played himself in a recurring role on Castle opposite Nathan Fillion. Oh. Yeah, uh, just, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen Castle where he's like he's like yeah. playing cards with the other authors? And and uh, St- Stephen J. Cannell also wrote some crime novels, so he's there with Nathan Fillion playing cards, the boys hanging out. Um, until he sadly died in, in twenty ten. Castle, I'm kinda glad that you killed off Storm. Less competition. Mm. Funny to you, Cannell. You're bluffing Patterson. Cough up some of that TV money and you'll find out. Ah, best to you, Ricky. So Cannell created the A-Team on the orders, pretty much, <laughs> of uh, NBC's entertainment president, Brandon Tartikoff. Uh, so Cannell had been fired from ABC, the, the rival network, in the early 1980s after failing to produce a hit, hit show for the network. Uh, he was hired by NBC, but he was given a task uh, to produce a show. Basically, Tartikoff just threw a bunch of ideas at him and was like, right, take, take this sort of idea splurge and make it into a workable show. So he was like, he wanted, he said, I want it to be a bit like the Dirty Dozen and the Magnificent Seven, that old kind of like Western team-up feel with elements also of Mission Impossible. Wow. And on top of that, Cannell was told to build the show around bodyguard to the stars turned actor, Mr. T, who had <laughs> j- just appeared in his breakthrough role of Clubber Lang in Rocky Three. Politics, man. This country wants to keep me down. Keep everybody weak. I don't want a man like me to have the title because I'm not a puppet like that fool up there. You know, you've got a big mouth, you know? Why don't you come out and close it, bad boy? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. guy's crazy. Don't listen to him. The little man don't want to come to me. Then I'll come to you people and lay out the truth. I am rank number one. One! I think you just need to sort of explain to me who Mr. T is, unless you get onto that later. Oh, 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 I'm going to go deep into, oh, okay, into, good. Good. into trivia with a capital T. Uh, 
So there was no Origins episode, really, um, a, a traditional pilot for the A-Team. Uh, instead, the A-Team's backstory is filled in by way of exposition in the opening two-hour pilot and throughout the first season and actually uh, beyond. But you, you did want to know about this. So basically, during the Vietnam War, their commanding officer, Colonel Morrison, gave them orders to rob the Bank of Hanoi uh, to help bring the war to an end. And they succeeded, but... On their return to base, they discovered that Morrison had been killed by the Viet Cong and that his headquarters had been burned to the ground, destroying oh. all proof that, that they'd been acting under orders. Uh, so now it just looked like they were criminals, just you know, out for their own devious ends. So they were arrested and imprisoned at Fort Bragg, but quickly escaped before standing trial. And the A-team's leader was the unflappable, cigar-chomping Lieutenant Colonel John Hannibal Smith, played by... George Papard, and when we were watching the title sequence earlier, you were very excited for some reason by the inclusion of George Papard. You're like, I didn't realise it was George Papard. Do you know? <laughs> really earnestly as well. Do you know what it is? Is that um, I, I really like Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, starring George Papard, and in that he's he's a bit of a, a bit of a wetty in that film. He's he's not like he's not super cool or anything, but you know he's a good leading man. And I never, I have to admit, I'd never realised he did much. I did, I knew this guy. I never realised it was the same person. Didn't connect, I didn't think, connect too. Yeah, so that's also, cool. I like that. Also, also, maybe I've just had a beer or two, but what a fun name to say. Yeah. George, George Papard. <laughs> it's not peppered. No. Papard. Yeah. <laughs> do, you reckon, do you reckon they were like, uh, yeah, checking in Mr. Peppered? And he's like, it's, <laughs> it's Papard. I, I reckon definitely that happened. Uh, so Hannibal Smith was famed for his unorthodox but effective plans. Uh, he was both a master tactician and master of disguise, adopting a variety of different guises across the series, including that of Chinese laundromat owner, Mr. Lee. Uh, ah. The the A-Team is, at the time of recording, still available to stream on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> it hasn't been taken off like Gone with the Wind or anything? Or, or... No, not, 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 not yet. I love it when a plan comes together. The, the first choice uh, to play Hannibal was actually James Coburn, uh, but the role eventually went to Papard. Uh, who was a former Marine himself, who, as you, as you mentioned, had previously starred alongside Audrey Hepburn in Breakfast at Tiffany's in 1961. Uh, maybe that was where he got the idea for Mr. Lee. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's uh, the point. Yeah. Um, was only available after being fired from the role of Blake Carrington on Dynasty uh, after clashing with that show's producers. He was apparently notorious for being difficult to work with, allegedly... Uh, although Mr. T denies this, but allegedly he and Mr. T did not get on wow. uh, with Papard jealous when T became the show's breakout star, even though he was sort of ostensibly the leader of, of the pack. Uh, on, on meeting his co-star, Dwight Schultz, Papard reportedly introduced himself by saying, hello, I'm George Papard. I'm not a very nice man. Which That's I think, one of my favourite quotes of all time. <laughs> I think just about sums it up. But like, uh, at least with by saying that, like, if ever anyone has thinks you're a dick, you go, "Well, I did tell you." Like, you can't be annoyed. I told you. I told you two things. One, I'm a dick, and two, it's pronounced papard. Uh, what more do you need to know? <laughs> what do you need to know? <laughs> so, um, Hannibal's own catchphrase was, "I love it when a plan comes together." Yeah. Um, and he is also often heard to remark, nice, after part of his plan succeeded, sometimes with destructive or explosive results. Uh, and also <laughs> often other characters on the show would refer to Hannibal being on the jazz 
uh, when, don't worry, don't worry uh, when referencing the adrenaline kick that he would get from the team's adventures, they'd be like, oh, Hannibal's on the jazz again. Um, the Hannibal character was apparently loosely based on Bo Gritz, uh, who was a controversial ex-Special Forces soldier who once ran for US president in 1992 under the slogan, God, Guns and Grits. Uh, <laughs> it probably work now. I'd probably get elected these days. Probably get elected. Yeah. Um, so, again, when we watched the title sequence, you were going, what is going on? Why is Hannibal in all these different outfits? So yeah. sometimes he would just dress up kind of, yeah, for, for fun as part of a scheme. Um, but also Hannibal was an aspiring actor. Uh, playing monsters in low-budget horror movies. But, of course, being a fugitive, uh, those are the only roles he can play because he can only play roles in which his face isn't seen. So he'd always be, like, dressed up in, like, uh, you know, monster outfits. and, and, and Was that because George, George Papad was like, I'm not dressing up in that. If you're going to make me dip my character do that, it has to be things where someone else can just do it and have their face covered. <laughs> do you know what? I, I wouldn't be surprised. wouldn't be surprised. Um, apparently Hannibal secures his, his movie roles by posing as his own agent, despite the obvious risk this presents uh, for him as a fugitive and, you know, endangering the other 18 members as well. But he's like, nah, I've got to pursue my, my weird dreams of, of being in low-budget horror movies. <laughs> uh, but it was part of what attracted Papar to the role, apparently, uh, because Hannibal was a master of disguise, which enabled him to play a variety of characters. Uh, he said, I love the character of Hannibal. It inspires my fantasy. And frankly, I needed the money. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, so second in command of the A-team, was Lieutenant Templeton Peck, uh, nicknamed Face Man or simply Face. Is he all right? Likes to see how big the slug is before he steps on him is what he likes to do. What'd he say? He said, I love it when a plan comes together. He was a suave, smooth-talking con man and ladies man uh, who would appropriate vehicles, equipment, and whatever else the team needed to complete their mission. Uh, the name Face Man apparently originated from a slang term that Stephen J. Cannell had heard in high school used by girls to describe attractive male students. So Face Man was like really good looking guys. Like, wow, that guy, what a Face Man. Uh, uh, um, uh, I'm assuming, like me, you were never called Face Man at school. No, I, I, I was called many things, uh, but, but, <laughs> but, but not that. Um, <laughs> but... The, uh, this, this nickname actually had, had lots of different international variants uh, when the A-team was broadcast in different parts of the world, most of them meaning some form of, you know, good-looking or, or pretty boy, whatever mm. uh, the equivalent was in, in those countries. But there were some, some fun variations. So in Italy, uh, he was called Slap or Slapface, which is Ital Italian slang for lovable scoundrel. Um, <laughs> but, but definitely my favourite, in Brazil, his nickname was Cara de Pau, Literally meaning wooden wooden face, which is Portuguese slang for cheeky asshole. <laughs> which probably sums up this character very well. <laughs> it perfectly does. I, but I slow it. Hannibal Smith, B.A. Baracus, uh, Howling Mad Murdoch, and Cheeky Asshole. They, they make up the A-team. Uh, apparently, uh, Stephen J. Cannell and Frank Lupo, the show's creators, they always wanted Dirk Benedict, uh, another great name. Another brilliant uh, name, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, to play the role uh, of Face. He was at that, at that time best known for playing Starbuck on the original Battlestar Galactica. Uh, but studio executives said said no to Dirk. Uh, they instead pushed uh, Cannell and Lupo into casting Tim Dunnigan, uh, who indeed played the role of Face in, or, or, or cheeky asshole, in the, uh, in the pilot episode of the A-Team. But after it was completed, he was thought by those same executives, they changed their minds, they said, no, he's too young to be a believable Vietnam veteran. 
uh, Cannell and Lupo got their way and he was replaced by Dirk Benedict for the rest of the show's run. And Dunnigan himself later said that they, he thinks they made the right choice. Uh, he said, I look even younger on camera than I am. So it was difficult to accept me as a veteran of the Vietnam War, which ended when I was a sophomore in high school. <laughs> but but even though he lost out on the role of face, it wasn't all bad news for Dunnigan. I found this out. He went on to front the 1980s sci-fi series, Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future, which you've got, you've got to have a look at this. You've got to have what a look at that? this. that? Oh, just you wait. Power on. Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. Earth 2147. The legacy of the Metal Wars. When man fought machine and machines won. Biodreads, monstrous creations that hunt down human survivors and digitize them. Volcania, center of the Biodread Empire, stronghold and fortress of Lord Dread, feared ruler of this new order. But from the fires of the Metal Wars arose a new breed of warrior, born and trained to bring down Lord Dread and his Biodread Empire. They were soldiers of the future. Mankind's last hope. Their leader, Captain Jonathan Pollard, master of the incredible power suits which transform each soldier into a one-man attack force. Major Matthew Hawk Masterson, fighter in the sky. Lieutenant Michael Tank Ellis, ground assault unit. Sergeant Robert Scout Baker, espionage and communications. And Corporal Jennifer Pilot Chase, tactical systems expert. Together they form the most powerful fighting force in Earth's history. Their creed to protect all life. Their promise to end Lord Dread's rule. Their name, Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. Really? The most powerful fighting force in Earth's history? Five guys in, a, in silly suits? I did think that. Uh... Wow, that was impressive. Doesn't quite doesn't quite have the same legacy as the A team, um, as, as you mentioned uh, at, at the opening of this podcast. Dirk Benedict uh, appeared as a contestant on the two thousand and seven UK series. Oh two thousand seven. Early, uh, earlier was like a few years ago. It's thirteen years ago. Appeared uh. in the two thousand and seven UK series of Celebrity Big Brother. Uh, he arrived on launch night. I don't know if you remember this in a replica of the A team van. Uh, <laughs> Smoking a cigar, which wasn't even his thing. That was Hannibal's thing. Um, yeah, don't worry about it. And accompanied by the A-Team theme tune. Uh, he finished in third place behind Jermaine Jackson and Shil Pachetti. Great uh, year. Good year. Uh, uh, controversial year. And, and, and Derek Benedict has said many controversial things in his time, but he wasn't, uh, for once, no, one part uh, of it. <laughs> at the centre of that storm. So, yeah. so, so good, good for Derek, I guess. Uh, the, the third member of the A-Team was the team's pilot, Howling Mad Murdoch. Uh, played by Dwight Schultz. Murdoch, we must just persevere. We shall make the skies safe for Mumsy Betty and Buckingham. God save the Queen. At least give it a break. Murdoch, could we hurry up? Sure, anything you want. Uh, Murdoch is called Howling Mad because he was declared clinically insane. So it's not just like, it's not just like, oh, he's crazy. He's a bit of a maverick. No, he is actually, actually mad. Um, he lives in a mental institution for veterans. Uh, for the the show's first four seasons, uh, from which he routinely escapes to join his teammates on their missions. So uh, he's not even meant to be there. No, he just he, 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 he's, he's breaking out. Um, so he's so he's incarcerated and on the run. Well, well, no, well, hang on. So we will get we will get onto that. That's a good point. Right. That's a good point. Okay. 
so Murdoch suffers from paranoid anxiety, delusions, and also frequently refers to his invisible dog, Billy. Uh, <laughs> though the possibility exists that he is just faking his 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 craziness, which I believe is the the medical term, uh, <laughs> to avoid possibly to avoid a jail sentence. So while the other eighty members are on the run, Murdoch might be faking being mad so that he can go into a, a mental institution instead of jail. Okay. Got it? Okay. Right, okay. But then he, but, okay. But then he would just break out of the medical institution uh, to go on all these missions, which surely would sort of, you know, invalidate that and he would end up in jail anyway. Don't worry about <clears> it. You know, you know, like the end of every Hulk episode, he had to, like, escape the town and go back and go find yeah. something else. Yeah. Is it the same with this? After every episode, he goes goes back to the mental home and then... Yeah. Is that how it works? But, uh, yeah, with his with his little knapsack or whatever it is that yeah. we, we can we can never remember what that thing's called. You know, a little picnic thing on a stick. Um, NBC executives were apparently initially again didn't like Dirk Benedict and also were not fans of the Murdoch character. Uh, they thought he was too over the top. Uh, which, yeah, he is quite over the top. But uh, but they wanted him removed from the show after the pilot. They said either either tone it down massively or get rid of him. <laughs> can't have can't have any more of any more of that of these shenanigans that, I, that we've seen in the pilots too much uh but they changed their minds uh when he proved popular with test audiences uh i don't know if this is true but dwight schultz claims that you know they have those little kind of like yeah you, know, you, 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 you like press a button when you see something you like and the oh, little yeah. you know the little counter goes into the red apparently every time murdoch was on screen they'd be like yes hit the button <laughs> we love murdoch and it'd go yes yeah, right to the red but we're now on, onto the part that uh, y- you've been waiting for, Tom. Right. <laughs> if, yeah, yeah. If, if, if not, our, if not our listeners, if they've even made it this far. Um, <laughs> finally, there is the the fourth member of the A team, the team's strongman, uh, mechanic, and sergeant first class, Bosco B. A. Baracus, played by Mister T, who uh, drives the team's iconic black 1983. GMC van with the red stripe. You're so crazy, fool. Yeah. I think, honestly, for years, I've never been sure if B.A. Baracus was his real name in real life, or if Mr. T was his real name, or if Mr. T was the character's name, or or vice versa. Well, So I'm glad you solved that for me. B.A. Baracus is the character in the A-Team. Mr. T T is obviously not his real name. Well, no, but yeah. He wasn't born... (laughs) <laughs> he wasn't born unto the family T. And like, <laughs> what, what are you going to call him? Mister. Although that would be great. <laughs> just, um, so BA, uh, BA Baracus, BA stands for bad attitude. Um, oh. And uh, despite, and this is a direct quote from the show, one of the worst conduct records in the army, uh, he, <laughs> he is also a mechanical genius uh, with an amazing talent to make incredible weapons and vehicles out of everyday junk. Uh, so most episodes of the A-Team would see uh, the team hold up in a garage somewhere and BA would whip out the blowtorch and safety goggles and then they just like ride out on a tank that he had just, <laughs> he had just fashioned from everyday objects. Here's, here's an example of what that looked like. How's the market face? Frisco bid in at 43 cents more bushel than L.A. Great. Where's my car? Isn't it beautiful? Lady, a couple boats, fresh paint, it'd be good as new. How do I get into these things? Like pip my ride. What was, um, what, well, who's the character in Thundercats that did the same thing? I, I, you know, I was going to bring that up, but I thought, no, too niche. But, you know, that's why we're friends. Um, yeah. <laughs> ha- yeah, Panthro in Thundercats... <laughs> 
Famous yeah. Street. Go back and listen to our uh, our Thundercats episode. Uh, episode two, two, I believe. Yeah. Episode two. Yeah. He uh, he he created the Thunder Tank from the uh, the sort of scrap and remains of their cr- of the Thundercats crash spaceship. Because of course you could just build a tank from 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 space shuttle remnants. Uh, yeah, possibly in a, in a tribute to Mr. T. I uh, think the Abaracus and Panthro would get on. I think they'd be I, good. Power. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Uh, so. BA, on top of just being uh, yeah, a bit of a dick and uh, also a mechanical genius, he also suffered an intense fear of flying. Hence his catchphrase, I ain't going no plane. Uh, <laughs> this difficulty was often overcome throughout the run of the show by other members of the team drugging him, knocking him unconscious, or even in one episode, hypnotizing him. Where are we going? Keep on going. We're going to turn right up here. I ain't going no airport, Hannibal. I ain't going to fly with that crazy fool Murdoch. Did I mention Murdoch? Murdoch? We're not going to the airport, B.A. Isn't Murdoch kind of crazy? If he's flying, then we are dying. <laughs> Turn right, right up there. What you doing, sucker? Uh, I think I'll get out for a minute. What's going on here? This road leads directly to the airport, Hannibal. This road is nowhere near the airport. What's going on? Will somebody please tell me what's going on? You lied to me. Lied? Me? I told you what I was going to do to you next time you try to take me on an airplane, didn't I? Please, what is going on? Now, B.A., you're going to have one of your anxiety blackouts. And now, now, take it easy, B.A. Take it easy. Why'd he hit you? Hit me? If he hit me, I'd be in the hospital. Uh, what I enjoyed most about that, uh, that clip, B.A. has such a bad attitude that even though he's in the driver's seat of the car, he doesn't get out the driver's side. He sort of climbs over the car to get out the other side, just because he's, he's a badass. Yeah. So this this from Wikipedia on that subject. Uh, for the 2010-18 movie, which was sponsored by British Airways, BA's initials were jokingly changed to British Airways in some marketing. This was considered cynical by fans, as it is well known that BA refuses to travel on aircraft. <laughs> I know, like, this is the one thing. Like, come on. Famously... He, he don't want to get on no plane. He's not getting on no yeah. plane. Um, <laughs> BA was also known for his other catchphrase, I pity the fool, um, which actually Mr. T first uttered as Clubber Lang in Rocky Three. There's a little crossover this is there. very confusing. <laughs> so, like, is he just the sort of... Is it? Is, just, is he allowed to just sort of be the same thing, whatever he's in, and well, he's sort of... It's really confusing. I don't really get well, like it's a it's a distinct personality, isn't it? Well, and and also like the head of NBC was just like, right, there's this guy. He's an incredible personality. Literally build the show and the character around him. Put him in the show and make a show around this guy because he's he's incredible. And so um, everything he's in ever since is just do that again. Pretty much. I don't get tired okay. of it. I don't. Get oh tired yeah, of it. yeah. I mean, you don't want to. You know what I'm doing? Like a serious role. Do you? you don't want him to like. <laughs> You know? Yeah, no, no one's crying out to see Mr. T's Hamlet, are they? Come on. No. Um, I mean, I would. I mean, that yeah. would that would be amazing. To be or not to be, that is the question, fool. Um, <laughs> that would be great, actually. Now I start to think about it. T does Shakespeare. Uh, uh, 
So, 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 yeah. So, Mr. T in this show used a catchphrase that he had previously used when he played Clubber Lang, uh, Rocky's opponent in Rocky Three. Uh, so, the way that all came about was in 1980, uh, Mr. T was spotted by Sylvester Stallone uh, while taking part in NBC's America's Toughest Bouncer competition. Uh, must have been on during the summer. Um, <laughs> apparently, part part of this competition, he had to take on another hard bouncer in a in a, in a boxing match. Uh, and, and before the final boxing match, Mr. T said, I just feel sorry for the guy I have to box. I just feel real sorry for him. Uh, the, and he was right, because the fight was scheduled to last three rounds, but Mr. T finished it in less than 54 seconds. Uh, and this inspired Stallone to include a similar line in Rocky Three: I don't hate Balboa, I pity the fool. Uh, and, and that catchphrase then became Mr. T's trademark. He even starred in reality TV show I Pity the Fool in 2006, <laughs> which saw him traveling from town to town giving advice, solving problems, and teaching fools some basic rules. <laughs> you know, like you know, like Yuri Geller has, has met, managed to forge a career of yeah. spending a spoon. He bent a spoon once in 1972, and he's still around doing the same thing. I feel like he's he's. There should be a club for those sort of celebrities who have just sort of, you know, the one trick, the one trick ponies. Yeah. Do you want to see a clip from I Pity the Fool? Of course I do. Of course you do. I pity the fool. Now I ain't no shrink, but I don't shrink away from no challenge neither. I'm just teaching fools some basic rules, and there's no shortage of fools who need my help. Dear Mr. T, we need a real-life superhero like you to turn this place on its head. Scott and the rest of the folks at Nimit Motors need roadside assistance. You know what I'm going to put in the tank? I'm going to fill it up with motivation. All right, all right, all right, man. All right, man. All right, man. Hey, man, I'm glad to meet you. I'm glad to meet you. When that bell rings, there's another carbon soul right there. Why do car salespeople have a bad reputation. Customers want to offer me 10000 for a car that I paid 11000 This is not a non-profit organization. We're going to make money. I'm not here to criticize you. I'm just coming here to help you. We're going to motivate and elevate. Tomorrow, I'm going to come in with my suit, with my tie on, and I'm going to try to sell a car myself. All right, all right, all right. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the fool. I the fool. Can you believe? I think it's an oh outrage. Uh, it's an outrage, and that <sighs> show only lasted six episodes before being swiftly canned. But did he help them in that clip at all? I feel like he, he went there, shouted at them a bit, and then said, you're doing a shit job, come on. Obviously, they're going to buy it off him. He's Mr. T. Are you joking? He filled up their tank with motivation and inspiration, fool. I don't you think I don't think that car dealership still exists today, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like in Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. Kitchen Nightmares. None of those kitchens survived. If, uh, sidebar, but if you ever watch an episode of Kitchen Nightmares, I think, wow, Chef Gordon did a great job of, uh, <laughs> of, of turning their fortunes around. Google it. Every single, one of, every single one of those is closed now. And I bet it's the same for that car dealership on I Pity the Fool with Mr. T. First name, Mr. Last name, T. O- on which note, actually, nice segue. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> Mr. T was born. This will confuse you even further. There's another name to deal with. He was born Lawrence Tarod, uh, but he named himself Mr. T to combat racism uh, because all white people would have to call him Mr., uh, which he said was a sign of respect that my father didn't get, my brother didn't get, that my mother didn't get. Now, I, 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 I like the sentiment, but it would be slightly odd if someone called his mother Mr. Anyway, um, <laughs> and 
This is, uh, you know, sometimes you get a thing where you're like, well, this isn't strictly related to what we're talking about, but I'm never going to have the chance to talk about this on the yeah. podcast again, so I'm just going to do it. So, not strictly A-team related, but in 1984, Mr. T made a motivational video called Be Somebody or Be Somebody's Fool. Uh, in oh, which, I've seen this, yeah. yeah in yeah. which he, he gives helpful advice to children throughout the video, including how to make tripping up look like breakdancing. <laughs> it's very specific. Oh, hi there. I'm Dr. T. Have you ever been embarrassed, ashamed, or exposed? I mean, done something so absolutely ludicrous that you wish you could have moved to a deserted island and hide your head in the sand? I mean, check this out. <laughs> now, how can that little brother recoup? Let's run that again. Is that recouping or is that recouping? So the next time you find yourself in an absolute situation, Mr. T, don't go hide your head in the sand. Mr. T, you're recouping instead. Your pants. Recouping. Oh dear. I mean, yeah. So we can see kid falls over, but he. Uh, so the first one, the, this horrible man walks past and just goes. <laughs> And then second time he does it with break dances and the same guy's like, yeah, cool dude. <laughs> but like, I guarantee if we did that now, wouldn't exactly get that result, I don't think. Oh, also, I like, the, I like how quickly the kid trips, but it instantly goes, shit, got a break dance, quick. Uh, and just it instantly falls into a break dance. Also, you've got to be good at break dancing. <laughs> well, that's the point. It's, it's like you need to learn break dancing on the off chance you trip up on the street uh-huh. and, you can, and, you, and you can recoup. Sounds like um, far too much hard work for me, to be honest. I've certain, I've certainly never done anything so absolutely ludicrous. Uh, <laughs> apparently, the, the video, the motivational video, is roughly one hour long, uh, but contains thirty minutes of singing, either by the group of children accompanying him or by Mr. T himself, and it includes the banger "Treat Your Mother Right." Open brackets. Treat her right. Close brackets. Okay. Have you seen this? No. Oh my god. You're in for a treat. Twelve? You couldn't be more than five. You're so fat, they have to jack you up to take off your shoes. Yeah, well, you're so skinny, your eyes are in single file. Well, you're so ugly, your ears stick out to get away from your face. Well, your mama is Hold so... Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't bring anyone's mother into this. She ain't here. If it wasn't for your mother, you wouldn't be here. So remember, when you put down one mother, you put down mothers all over the world. So now you've got a uh, yeah a bit of a briefing on, on the, the entirety of the A team. And as I say, when I was a kid, I just thought they were called the A team because they were the best, just the best team around. Which which even at the time I thought was fairly fairly ridiculous. Given you've got Hannibal, their leader, who's pushing sixty and, <laughs> and and consistently risks the team safety by pursuing a career in B movies. Face a man whose special skill is he's good looking. Uh, <laughs> Murdoch, who is actually clinically insane, and <laughs> And Mr. T. 
like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean yeah. like, like, who the fuck are the B team if these guys <laughs> if these guys are the A team? Um, so other characters who featured in the A team included the reporter character Amy Amanda Allen, Triple uh, A, played by Melinda Coolia. Uh, and later her replacement, Tonya Baker, played by Maria Heasley. Uh, there was also a series of military police hunting the A-team, including uh, Colonel Francis Lynch, played by William Lucking, who, if you've ever watched Sons of Anarchy, plays Piney in that show. Uh, Colonel mm-hmm. Roderick Decker, who uh, played by Lance DeGoe, and uh, General Harlan Bull Fulbright, played by mm-hmm. Jack Ging. Uh, the A-team was famous for its cartoonish violence. It featured high-octane combat scenes with lethal weapons, wherein the participants are never killed and rarely seriously injured. Uh, After almost every car crash, there is a short take showing the occupants of the vehicle uh, climbing out of the mangled or burning wreck. Uh, And that also happens in helicopter crashes. You just see them just get out. (laughs) Um, Stephen J. Cannell later admitted that the show's writing staff became aware of this trope and would later have characters survive seemingly fatal events on purpose because they thought it was funny. Uh, (laughs) Just see, see how far they could push it. Uh, but one of the few characters to be definitively killed off on screen was General Fulbright uh, in the season four finale, The Sound of Thunder, which was a more serious and somber episode than usual. Last time I saw you, you're trying to kill me. Oh, you're so pretty. Not like a old man. Smith. You and your men. Good soldiers. I'm glad we ended up on the same side. So the A-Team was a ratings hit for NBC. Uh, It became the flagship show for what was then a struggling network. It was huge in the US and internationally, and the cast were mobbed by fans worldwide. Uh, and it also spawned spin-off merchandise, including comic series and A-Team novels, including two choose-your-own-adventure books. Huh. Uh, uh, but ratings began to fall dramatically with the fourth season. Uh, some critics argued that viewers were getting tired of the formulaic plots, but whatever the reason for the ratings decline, most fans agreed that the episode Cowboy George, starring Boy George as himself, was where the rot what? really started to set in. Boy George? Yeah. Idea, idea. What do you think? <laughs> no, if you want to get past those cowboys, no way. How about this? Mm, it loses your eyes. This is it. Perfect fit, too. Really? Oh, dear. Yeah. What more can you say about that, really? Uh, so, the show's format was changed for the show's final season uh, in a bid to win back viewers. After years on the run from the authorities, uh, the A-Team is finally (laughs) apprehended by the military. Uh, General Hunt Stockwell, played by Robert Vaughan, a mysterious CIA operative, propositions them, not like that, uh, to work (laughs) for him in exchange for which he will arrange for their pardons upon successful completion of several missions. So it's a bit like the later Fast and Furious movies. or, or that not very good fourth season of Prison Break. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Stockwell and another new character, former U.S. Army soldier and special effects expert Frankie Dishpan Man Santana, played by Eddie Velez, 
uh, join the show as regular characters. And whereas previously the A-team had faced off against usually local thugs, now they were involved in things like political espionage. Uh, these changes, though, proved unsuccessful with viewers and ratings continued to decline. And so at, the least they didn't do, at least they didn't do what other shows that you've tackled have done, where they've brought in aliens and angels and all that kind of stuff. That's normally what happened. No. The A-team in space, though. I, I, would, I would have liked to see it. <laughs> Get that anal probe away from me, sucker! Um, could have been great. Um, so, anyway, that didn't happen. The A-team ultimately ended after a shorter final season of just 13 episodes, uh, with NBC declining to order a full season of 22. Uh, though our second to last, the intended series finale is the episode The Grey Team, in which Hannibal breaks off the team's relationship with Stockwell. In the final scene, the team consider what they would have done if they had gotten a pardon, uh, but it comes to the conclusion that they would have just kept on being the A-Team. Or, as Wikipedia puts it, Murdoch wonders what the future holds for the A-Team. Hannibal assures him they'll have many more years of their zany adventures. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just think if we get a pardon we may never have to eat a knuckle sandwich again wouldn't bet on it crazy man looks like hannibal's on the jazz again no you you tell me right now you tell me right to my face you tell me that you don't have a plan well i i was thinking like bernie and george what are we gonna do when this thing's over i mean what are we really qualified to do Go after thugs in the park. And outlaw motorcycle gangs. Organized crime figures. Why, there's a world of slime balls out there. I knew it. I just knew you had a plan. Comforting, isn't it? I'll get the van. I'll get the van. Yeah. It is, it's, but for me, that is, and like, okay, it's a little cheesy, but that is the best kind of finale. I don't like, yeah. like, downbeat, somber finales where, like, the A-team breaks up or, like, oh, the cast of Friends will never see each other again or, or, or the, you know, if it's set in a pub, the pub closes down. No, I like, yeah. I like, I like finales where the story carries on, you just don't see it anymore. And that is, that yeah. is what the, that's what the A-team did, so good on them. Uh, <laughs> the A-team ended in 1987. But from the mid-90s onwards, uh, various film versions were in development with a number of different writers attached. Now, as ever, you know, what do you expect? You, you, you know what this podcast is by now. A lot of this information has come from IMDb trivia. All right, so we're going to have films that were tipped to star, like Arnie and Stallone and probably really. weird, ones, weird ones like Dustin Hoffman and then like Gary Busey or something. Don't ruin it. So apparently... Sylvester uh, Stallone. Every time. Richard Gere, was he in there? <laughs> Apparently, Sylvester Stallone once voiced interest in playing Hannibal in a version of the A-Team film that he would also direct. Oh, you know, I love <laughs> when a player comes together. Um, <laughs> and, he did the uh, Expendables instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is pretty much the A-Team. That's true. Yeah. Um, so, maybe that, so maybe there is a, a kernel of truth there. A lieutenant kernel of truth. Um, <laughs> uh, but this, this, I think, is legit. So, John Singleton... Um, he directed yeah, Bo- um, Boys in the Hood and, and, and Shaft. He was initially assigned to direct the A-Team movie, but in October 2008, he pulled out of the project. Again, allegedly, um, uh, at various points, uh, considered for the role of Hannibal in the movie, uh, Harrison Ford, uh, Bruce Willis, 
George Clooney, who I think would have been great. Um, Mel Gibson and Tommy yeah. Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, also, allegedly, Kurt Russell, Jeff Bridges, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Ron Perlman, and of course... Arnie. Arnie. Yeah. Arnie. Yeah. I love yeah. it when a plan comes together. Yeah, of course. Um, Just every actor again. Yeah. Apparently, um, actors considered for the role of face. And, like, very... Quite an age gap here, but Tom Cruise um, <laughs> and, and Christian Bale. Uh, yeah. Considered for the role of Murdoch. Again, two very different choices. Jim Carrey uh, and Sean William Scott. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. And, and up for Mr. T's old role of B.A. Baracus, both Ice Cube and The Rock. Uh, <laughs> but no one else can do it. I mean, I'm sure someone did in that remake, but you kind of have to make it the Mr. T again. There's no one else that can do it. It's like yeah. in when they when they rebooted James Bond, but you had to bring back Judy Dench. There was no other one. And in The Lion King, you had to have um, James L. Jones. Like, there's no point trying to get anyone else. I mean, I mean, there were M's before Judy Dench, but no, I, I take, I take. Your you know point. what I mean. <laughs> I take your point. Um, so eventually, the version of the film, the 18 film that eventually got made, uh, was released to cinemas in 2010 and was co-written and directed by Joe Carnahan. And it brings to the screen for the first time the circumstances that saw the 18 court-martialed and jailed. So it serves as both a remake and a prequel to the TV series. But is the whole film the prequel? Yeah, kind of a little bit. Oh, don't get bogged down in that bit. We want the fun bit after you've. Oh no, they would have done the fun bit in a sequel. Which uh, no, yeah, it's that again. Presumptuous, presumptuous people assuming well, you'll go and see a sequel. It never gets made. Oh, uh, so many niche in jokes. So many niche in jokes. This court is rendering guilty verdicts for this Alpha unit or A team and incarceration in maximum security facilities for 10 years. We are innocent. Where's the plan, boss? You actually sound worried. Those men were your responsibility. Find them. Hell no. I ain't stepping foot in any type of aircraft. Get in the plane. We gotta finish the escape. Man up and get in there. Putting the team back together. <laughs> so how do you plan on stopping them? I'll sweat them. This just got exciting. Give me a minute. I'm good. Light them up. Kill them all. Get my team an hour. We're unbeatable. Yeah, it looks all right. It was a bit of fun. Uh, so, in case you didn't know, that film eventually starred Liam Neeson as Hannibal, uh, Bradley Cooper as, as Face, UFC champion Quinton Rampage Jackson as B.A. Caracas, oh. and uh, Charto Copley as Howling Mad Murdoch. Uh, Dirk Benedict and Dwight Schultz both make uh, brief cameos. By this point, George Papard had passed away, uh, and Mr. T turned down a cameo. Oh. Um, but Dirk Benedict actually said he later regretted appearing in the film uh, <laughs> because he considered it a, a non-part. Uh, he said they wanted to be able to say, oh, yeah, the original cast are in it, but we're not. 
It's three seconds. Yeah. Kind of insulting. Uh, um, yeah. The A-Team film. Steve, <laughs> the mixed reviews. Not surprised. <laughs> uh, do you know what Ebert thought? Uh, two thumbs up, whatever. <laughs> um, two stars out of four, I guess. Incomprehensible mess. So that's what Ebert called it. Oh, no. Oh. Uh, the film also suffered an underwhelming performance at the box office. It made uh, $177 million, but on a budget of $110 million. So not a huge amount of profit. Uh, though the cast and Joe Carnahan were initially open to a sequel, uh, Carnahan eventually said that it wouldn't happen due to the film just not making enough money. Uh, it's, it's funny, isn't it? You had those like, like that little period of remaking classic TV shows that just didn't <clears> really, no one cared, like Miami Vice. It was just shit and no one cared. Yeah. And it'd be like, it'd be like they, they, it should be good. It should be on paper, be a good idea. But for whatever reason, it just wasn't. You know. Miami, Miami Vice missed the point by being like super serial. And, yeah. and, and, and yeah. whereas Miami Vice was fun and camp. And this, yeah. the, the A team at least got, got it that it was meant to be yeah. a, a, a laugh and the boys together having fun. It at least got that. And yeah. there was no sequel to the A team movie, but the show's legacy lives on, sometimes in strange ways. Uh, in 2016, Lego released a pack that included a BA Baracus minifigure and constructible van, the pack unlocking A-team-themed content in the video game Lego Dimensions, including all four team members as playable characters. What kid is asking for that? I mean, I love it. I, I love they did it. But what eight-year-old is like, I want the A-team in Lego Dimensions? They don't they're, know what clearly, the is. they're clearly aiming it at those the, the people. We've said this before. Even though they're saying it's for kids, a lot of the people using this are in their 40s and 50s. Right. But I would tell you, like, it was when Lego Dimensions was like, I think it was like one of the versions of Lego Dimensions, I think like, maybe like the Doctor Who expansion pack yeah, um, yeah, yeah. First, first came out. And I was at San Diego Comic-Con and they had, you yeah. know, like they have like, you can go up and like trial it. Yeah. And I, and I went up and I was, no like, idea. I was like, how do I do this? Why is it too complicated? This little like eight year old kid came up and just schooled me. He was just amazing <laughs> at it. And I was like, what is going on? Wow, come on. Yeah. But you don't know who the A team are, you little shit. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, a year prior to that, before 2016, in 2015, uh, Fox announced that they were developing a reboot A-Team TV series uh, with Fast and Furious writer-producer Chris Morgan as executive oh. producer. Uh, and they, the new team would apparently have been made up of both male and female characters, so you know, have a bit of a bit of equality there. Yeah. But the reboot never materialised. Oh. Uh, but... Despite its cartoon violence, glorification of the Vietnam War, and its lack of substantial female characters, there is still a lot of love for the A-Team out there. Uh, I think this pretty much sums it up well. In a 1983 review, the New Statesman said, The politics that underlie the story of a group of Vietnam veterans turned desperados may be dangerous, but it's an exhilarating show to watch. It's basically, basically what we say. It's a lot of fun, <laughs> though. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's weirdly sort of wholesome in its own way, the A-Team. Yeah, it it's sort of... Um... Yeah, it's not too serious, and it's not not to be taken seriously. And it's just no one really dies. I mean, that guy you showed me earlier did, but generally speaking, like, yeah, you know, you're all right if you if you're in the A team, and yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> Even Boy George could be in it, and it's all great. So fine, don't worry about it. Yeah. So, so that 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 is it. Um, if you thought this episode was a okay, uh, nice. you can find many more, many many more at twogeeks2beers.com. Uh, we're also on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Global Player, Overcast, uh, all other good podcast outlets. Uh, do the next bit, Tom. 
<laughs> the next bit is the fact that we are also on all the social channels. Yeah. At Two Geeks Cast, that is. So if you go on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, you'll find us on there. And we're also uploading little bits on YouTube as well. And we're thinking, we, we reckon, let's just upload all the episodes um, as we go on YouTube as well. So if you prefer listening to your podcasts on there, you can. Yeah. I, if you've got a friend who's never heard the show, why not pity that fool? And recommend Two Geeks, Two Beers to them. We've got maybe this episode, maybe one of the dozens of other episodes uh, we've got. And we're also on uh, Patreon, where you can sponsor the podcast, uh, helping to fund our, our recording sessions and, and, and equipment and advertising, things like that. Uh, all your money goes directly back into funding the show, and you get special bonus material. Uh, there's exclusive episodes of the show that are only available and will only ever be available on Patreon. Uh, little Little outtakes. Sometimes we put up like first listen snippets up on there as well. Uh, depending on how much you donate, you can even get a mini episode or a full length episode that's exclusive just to you uh, about any topic of your choosing. You know, within within reason. But we're you know, we're, <laughs> we're pretty reasonable guys. Yeah. Uh, you can also email us podcast at twogeeks2beers.com, and uh, send us thoughts, uh, feedback, suggestions for future episodes, or just tell us to shut up, fool. <laughs> uh, now to play us out. Did you know, Tom, that in France, they had a different version of the A-Team theme song with lyrics? Oh, brilliant. Okay. So here, here is the French theme to the A-Team, or as it was known there, the All Risks Agency. So I'm just going to kick back and smoke a cigar. I love it <laughs> when a podcast comes together. Accusé d'un vol qu'ils n'ont pas commis, n'ayant aucun moyen d'en faire la preuve, ils fuient sans cesse devant leur poursuivre. Pour subsister, ils emploient leurs compétences. Quand la loi ne peut plus rien pour vous, il vous reste un recours, un seul, l'agence Tourisque. As we've said before, some mm. of our favourite TV shows mm. are the ones where you could sing the uh, the name of the show in mm. the theme tune. So, mm. the A Team, the, the A Team, yeah, last of the summer wine, yeah. Um, do you do you want to know what the the English translation is for those those French lyrics? Go on then. So it's the All Risks Agency. It's really the last chance at the last moment. The bad tricks of the thugs, the agency settle their cash. If the injustice waits for you, the all risk agency waits for it at the corner. For the victim <laughs> of Bay, all of a sudden it will appear. In the danger, these kings of cold blood, these travellers without a visa, have delivered the good fight. The all risk agency, it's really the last chance at the last moment. 
the all risk agency. It's really the last chance of the moment. I love that. Oh, travelers without a visa. It's like, oh, <laughs> you're odd. <laughs>